Hi, Helen. Hi, Jay Keith. And hi, listeners. We're excited to share this new episode with you, but wanted to note two things before we start. First, we had some audio issues, so the sound quality is going to vary a lot within this episode. I'm not saying who forgot to hit record on their end or who accidentally deleted their audio, but let's just say it might have been me. <laughs> also, we wanted to let you know that in one of our segments, we talk pretty candidly about the female reproductive system and the existence of sex. So if that's something you want to listen to without the kids, this is your warning. Although, it is good stuff, and not too salacious. But, you know, your choice. All right, I think that's it. Enjoy the show. Julian, cue the music. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, Well... Actually, <laughs> well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb and then smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, Jakey Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Nice to see you again, as always. Nice to see you over Zoom, per yes. you. <laughs> yes, I actually got to see some friends in person uh, this weekend for the first time since the pandemic started. That sounds wildly dangerous. It, well, we, we all got tested and then we went camping, so we were, we were outdoors. I've always said that I can be ready to camp uh, within 45 minutes. I have all my stuff ready to go. Um, really? I, I realize that no one has ever said, hey, J. Keith, do you want to go camping in 45 minutes? <laughs> one day, if they, if they do, I'll be ready. Are, are you a camper? You, are you outdoorsy, Helen Hong? I am not outdoorsy. I have camped mm -hmm. and I have enjoyed it um, when I've done it. Uh, but I'm not a camper. Like I don't have any gear. I don't mm. have a tent or a sleeping bag or anything like that. So I can only camp if I'm like a tag along with some experienced campers who have gear that, be, Oh, I got, I got you covered, Helen. Like I have stuff for you and I hate bugs. Mm. So that is know. an issue. I did get a few bug bites, uh, even yeah, though I, I put hate, some I uh, stuff bugs. on. If I seem at all distracted, it's because there's a large bite on my uh, on my thigh and my ankle and my uh, forearm. And yet, it was completely worth it. Maybe yeah, maybe the first two it. were worth it. I don't know about the third the third bite. You seem and sound refreshed. I am. It, re it really was refreshing. There's something about just staring into a fire. And even though I had I brought most of the same food that I eat at home, the idea of uh, you know the the method of actually cooking it on a campfire and, and mm. you know eating with one fork for the whole weekend, it 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 really touches something in my brain that uh, that, oh. that is very refreshing. And uh, thank you for noticing. Well, if anyone out there wants to take me camping, um, invite. Me and I'll consider it. Wow, what a, what a generous <laughs> offer. <laughs> I believe this is the first uh, incident recorded of, of camp thirsting <laughs> that Helen Ong has given on Go Back to Yourself. Invite me and, uh, and we'll, we'll assess how many bugs there might be. Yes. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. All right. Well, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first. She is an actor who's been seen on TV in The Good Wife and Curb Your Enthusiasm. 
enthusiasm and in several shows on Broadway, including in the original cast of the producers for which she won the Tony Award. It's Katie Huffman. Hello, Katie Huffman. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, we're so absolutely delighted. I understand that you are joining us from a new home for you. I am, yes. I couldn't stand the apartment life anymore, so I bought a house. Mazel tov. <laughs> Did almost the exact same thing. Did you? Yeah, going a little crazy. Well, we, we, we hope that uh, this will be a slight break from the crazy or at least a different kind of crazy for a little while. Uh, in addition to the credits that uh, Helen mentioned, you are probably familiar to a lot of viewers who don't know anything about your Broadway life from being on Iron Chef for a long run. Tell us about that. I was on Iron Chef America because the original was the Japanese show mm-hmm. Iron Chef, which is one of my favorite shows. Oh, then it must have been and- such a thrill to join the American version. Yes, yes. And I, I joined very early on. Uh, one of my, it was a brand new show. There were no cooking, you know, competition shows on television yet. Mm-hmm. It, it was the first one. And a friend of mine was producing it, new producer. And he said, Hey, Katie, you're kind of famous. <laughs> you know, like your friends say. <laughs> And I said, free meal? He said, yep. I said, I'm in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so and then it, I ended up being on it for 10 seasons. As a judge. So it, was, it was awesome. As a, a professional eater, yes. Uh, let's talk about the producers. Uh, it was such an epic show, an epic production. Uh, it was a phenomenon. I mean, it really was sort of like the Hamilton of the day. Um, where in the process did you join the show? Uh, I did the very first public reading. Mm. I did the very first, uh, I was in it from the very start. We did these, uh, you know, I get the phone call, uh, you know, would you consider Mm. reading this role of this musical based on his film? And, and the next day they said, yeah, Mel and Susan want you to do this reading. And that's Mel Brooks and Susan Stroman. Uh, yeah. So then April, it was April 9th, 2000. It was a Saturday. It, it snowed. We had rehearsed for about four days. And then we were scheduled to have these two readings. And, you know, Anne Bancroft's kind of sort of sat three feet off my left knee, you know. (laughs) So after the first reading, Rocco Landisman, who ran Drew Jamson at the time, came up to Mel and offered him the St. James on the spot. Wow. First time that it had ever been heard by anybody. And then after the second one, Mel comes up to me and he says, kid, when it goes, you're in. Oh, wow. (laughs) And he kept his word. That was it. That was it. So from April, but you hear that two all kind of all the time sure. and by december i was rehearsing and by you know may we had made history wow. and when did you realize that it was a phenomenon that it was a monster hit while we were out of town mm. in chicago which was like oh my god we lived we lived above the theater mm. in in the winter in chicago so it was like this massive dorm room of actors you know just going up and down this freight elevator to get to work and backstage and uh, and people started scalping and the scalping prices went up and it was just impossible to get a ticket. And we had to have, you know, if I was ever out with Matthew and Nate, Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane <laughs> like eating dinner, they would have to put sort of people guarding the table mm. so that the audience, so that people in the, in the restaurant weren't coming up and talking to them so much. It, you know, it was the closest thing I will ever achieve to being a beetle, you know, and I really <laughs> wanted to be a beetle. Wow, they, they loved you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about your Tony's experience. You'd been nominated 10 years prior for a Will Rogers Folly. Did, did you think you'd be back again? 
uh, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, you know, who's expending it the first time? Yeah. Most people don't realize it's the day of the Tony Awards. Well, not this year, but normally all of the shows have done a matinee that day. Mm-hmm. So I had 45, I'd done a show, had 45 minutes to hair, makeup, gown, shoes, and get to Radio City and walk the you know, the, the press line. Not know that. I thought it was like a day off for Broadway. No, it is. There is no such thing normally as a day off for Broadway. Wow. It's so exciting. And then you get to sit down and they close the doors because, you know, they're, it's being broadcast. And then you're sitting with everybody in all the shows. So you're like, hey, how are you doing? Because you never get to see each right. other unless you're drinking in bars afterwards, which Certainly, I did that. Awesome. <laughs> Even if you hadn't won, it sounds like you would have had some great memories. And then on top of that, you won. Yeah, when I lost, I had a great time too, 10 years prior, you know? Wait, where? where's your Tony now? Where is it? Mm, I could, on my man, my new mantle. Oh, get it. <laughs> Helen, we've got to do a show. Bring it. I'll go get it. Go, go, I'll go get you it. can get it while, while we're talking to Jonah. Yes. Yes. Last thing I want to ask about is uh, you recently got to work with one of our former guests, uh, Charles Bush, who was on uh, episode 23 of Go Fact Yourself. Oh my gosh. Yes, I did. Charles uh, and Carl Anders wrote a movie which suddenly got funded in the middle of the pandemic. Mm. And we all ended up making a movie for a few weeks um, called The Sixth Reel. He's so sweet mm-hmm. and he loves old Hollywood. So it's a real homage to old Hollywood where they found the sixth reel of the lost Lon Chaney Dracula. You know, the most fun of filming was I was with this great actor. John Conley was my husband and we were dressed as vampires in the middle of the village for most of the time. So children. <laughs> so you were blended right like, in is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, my! well, this lady goes, yeah, you know what they say? The village is where Halloween goes for the rest of the year. <laughs> And here we are. Excellent. Well, we're so happy you joined us for this little bit of time. We're so happy to have Ms. Katie Huffman. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Helen, against whom will Katie be competing as she goes and fetches her Tony Award? (laughs) He is a comedian, writer, and actor who hosted the revival of Mystery Science Theater 3000 on Netflix and hosts the podcast Jonah Radio. It's Jonah Ray. Hi, Jonah Ray. Hello. How's it going? It's going very well. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I've been an admirer of yours and we've done a couple things together, but it's so happy that uh, that it's worked out for us now. I've put it off for a long time, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, is it fear, uh, fear of success? What is it? Well, I mean, that's probably mostly it. It's just I <laughs> I can't, I don't remember things when I have to. I, you know, uh, it's, uh, I was never good at quizzes. Like uh, you have a lot of friends do pub quizzes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go because it's, you know, it's at a bar. But sure. other than that, I... You know, stuff I know very well, I tend to forget under pressure. So we'll see how today goes. We'll look forward to that as well. Uh, let's talk about this podcast you have, Jonah Radio. It's great. You get to talk music with uh, with a lot of interesting people, and people submit songs uh, to the show. Have there been any particularly surprising or life-changing even submissions that you've gotten? Well, you know, it's like you've been doing it for eight years, and there's been a bunch of bands that have just sent in, you know, a link with to their band camp. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, that I've just I was just listening to uh, uh, The Good Graces, which is this uh, musician named Kim Ware from Georgia. And I find myself uh, going back to her uh, song, um, mm-hmm. you know, Summer of 92. Like, all, it's like I just I was listening to it today. It's very like, you know, there's these this it's kind of created the soundtrack to a bunch of music that not a lot of people know. Uh, um, but to, to my life, it's very important. I'm very like happy to give, you know, musicians or bands just 
because you know when you're when you're when you're a young artist or a struggling artist like a little a little win goes a long way to mm. help you just kind of you know because when you're young you have to blow everything out of proportion so if my dumb podcast plays a song and someone goes <laughs> oh that's all i needed i was about to you know pawn my guitar if that's you know that those little wins are are important i'm glad i can give them that that's sometimes. really lovely. Yeah. Let's talk about Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, you actually met Joel Hodgson through the Nerdist podcast you were hosting. Yeah, I met I met Joel. Uh, and then the next night, Wayne White, uh, an incredible artist and uh, uh, set designer and graphic yep. artist, uh, he had a, a screening of his movie, Beauty is Embarrassing, and mm-hmm. Joel was there, and I happened to be there too. And then the next night, I saw him at an art show, and we just became pals. And over the years, and then very similar to what uh, Mel Brooks told Katie, like, it's a, it, he was like, you know, if I ever bring it back, you're in. And so, <laughs> did he do that voice? He did. He did the old. He Jewish did. Voice? He did. I found it very offensive. <laughs> uh, that's so great, and he he also kept his word. That's terrific. He did. Um, yeah. When the when the Kickstarter started and it made like millions of dollars, I was like, uh oh, here we go. They're gonna get Seth Rogen instead. And then uh, and then he kept his word, which was great. That's awesome. Uh, it was interesting in the reboot, the, the different kinds of movies they did is sort of compared to the original. Like the, for the first time, there were movies that I had actually heard of and were released in, in my lifetime. Was, was that an interesting experience for you as well? Yeah, you know, it's uh, the first season we did, uh, you know, I, I had heard some of those, see, you know, VHSs and stuff, but like for sure, uh, Mac and Me yes. was uh, was one that, you know, that's a that's a famous movie for any kid in the 80s that watched every ripoff of E.T. Yes, that you know, one, of course, was pretty much a, a, a two hour long infomercial for McDonald's. Yeah, I actually ended up, I, be, I, was, I was able to talk to the director of it um, uh, when I was doing a Q&A for his other movie, Tammy and the T-Rex. Um, another classic. Uh, but uh, I asked him, I was like, so McDonald's funded this movie? He says, no, no, that's what everyone thinks. Mm. It was a beef company that gives oh, wow. McDonald's their beef. And they're the <laughs> ones that funded it. Wow. Yeah. There's the beef indeed. Yeah. You did a great show called Hidden America that lasted for a couple seasons. And it was a parody of travel shows. Um, and yet you still had to go to the places that a regular travel show would go to. So did you actually discover any real travel tips in addition to the satire that you were making? Yeah, I'd say don't try and make a low-budget TV show while traveling around the country. It's, uh, <laughs> it's real hard. Um, I love travel shows, and I love Anthony Bourdain specifically, um, and I love sketch comedy. And I was mm. always, in my head, just you know, for years going, that's, that's a perfect mm. setup for a sketch show. It's like, you know, a yep. s- wandering straight man meeting up with all these different characters going to all these different places. Yeah. And, and you know, doing it with the, the, the Bourdain kind of like aspect of it, you know, a guy who really wants to be as cool and pretentious as Bourdain. <laughs> um, and uh, like having that as an added element to it was a lot of fun. For me, especially. And then also uh, to be able to get Bourdain onto the second season was insane because he saw the first season and he was just like, he was like, I'd laugh more if it wasn't so close to the truth. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but agreed to come on the second season. And he was like, he's like one caveat. I just have to play like a buffoonish, uh, more hipster version of myself. And I was like, no, but that's what I do on the show. So how are we going (laughs) to... Oh, that's great that he had that sense of humor about himself. Yeah. Uh, last thing, one of the things that you and I have in common is that uh, we're both huge Weird Al Yankovic fans. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we do not have in common is that you've actually gotten to work with and become friends with Al. Uh, what, what, what was that like? And what was the moment or was there one where you realized, holy crap, I'm friends with Weird Al? Because that's exactly what I would be saying constantly. Yeah, I mean, I, like 
I've had an insanely fortunate life where I was obsessed with Mystery Science Theater and I got to be in Mystery Science Theater and I was obsessed with Weird Al and I've gotten to work with Weird Al and become friends with him. And um, I don't know if it was, it was just kind of over the years, you know, we sure. would kind of sometimes be on the same show at San Francisco Sketch Fest or mm -hmm. this thing. And then I would kind of reach out to him and be like, hey, would you want to do a sketch on Hidden America? And he mm. was always game and always very nice. I mean, I was very happy that he never remembered the first time I met him, which is when I was working at Amoeba Records and I, he walked in to go shopping and I like ran up to him going like, hey, I, I do comedy because you and I work here because I'm cool. <laughs> and uh, you know, luckily he doesn't remember that. But it's yeah, it's a it's a it's a real, you know, I feel that, you know, the real time is a flat circle thing. Like yeah. it's like it's a it, was I into it because it's happening now or is it happening yeah. now because I was into it? Who knows? Whoa. Who can know? Uh, you did actually a cover album of Weird Al songs, and uh, I understand that he actually bought his own copy of it. He did. I, you know, oh. I, I got to do these punk versions of his songs uh, that I put out on uh, uh, Mike Park's amazing uh, label, uh, Asian Man Records, uh, legendary punk label. And um, uh, he sends me a little screen grab, and like he's like, he's like, oh man, I just was able to sell a record that I put out and mail it to Weird Al Yankovic. Oh. So and uh, and uh, that cool. was yeah, that was really. I said I would have given you a free one, and uh, he was he's like, yeah, I like to support the arts. Oh, right, wonderful! Well, we look forward to your buying your copy of this episode of Go Fact Yourself, and we're happy that you joined us, <laughs> Mr. Jonah Ray. <laughs> All right, Jonah and Katie. Katie, by the way, do you have your Tony to show us now? I do. I do. Let's see it. Wow! Yeah. There, there it is. is. Does that does the medallion oh, in the middle spins. actually spin? Yes, she's spinning it. There Absolutely. you go. Absolutely. Is, is that how you fan yourself <laughs> you in the summer that? in the summer months? <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, 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 very it's always quite refreshing. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. I would do that constantly if I had one. All right, Katie and Jonah, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Katie, you told us that you know a lot about the TV show Call the Midwife, Cat's Peculiarities and menopause. Whereas Jonah, you said you know a lot about 1994 punk music, the movie Ed Wood, and Hawaii. I'll be very curious to see the crossover in these topics later in the show. Later on, we'll ask you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics, but first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. Now, if either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, you got dissed. First up is Katie. Katie, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It's from Kristen Allison of Stevensville, Michigan. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Thank you, Helen, and thank you, Kristen. All right, Katie, in the topic of You Got Dissed, they both might result in you getting the wrong idea, but what is the difference between misinformation and disinformation, misinformation and disinformation? Misinformation is on purpose and disinformation is by mistake. Okay, said very confidently. We don't know yet if she is correct. Jonah, you can steal if you think she got it wrong. What do you think, Jonah? I think she got it wrong and I think it's the other way around. Okay, wow, simple and sweet. And we'll see, one of you may actually be right. All right, well, this segment is becoming uninformative. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. Misinformation is false data that is spread without bad intent. You might not have meant to spread bad intel, but you did. Disinformation is false data that is spread with bad intent. 
You did this on purpose, USOB. That's right. Boom. The word misinformation actually dates to the 1500s. Disinformation was a term coined by the Soviets during the Stalin era. And there's even a newer term called malinformation, which means taking real information like a quote or a photo and using it out of context with the intent to mislead, or as it's also called, Facebook. Helen, how did they do in that? I think Jonah Ray got two points on that. I think he did as well. Very nice strategy of flipping what Katie said. Sorry that didn't work out I for know, you, Katie. I'm but... glad I could help you. <laughs> yeah. Katie, maybe Jonah will give you a chance to do that on uh, his question. Yeah, come Jonah, on. Up next, and you got this. Jonah, Jonah, your question also comes from a listener. Who is it this time, Helen? It's from Charles Albrecht of Sacramento, California. Thank you, Helen, and thank you, Charles. All right, Jonah, in the topic of You Got Dissed, they both might indicate how many of our listeners feel right now, but what is the difference between being uninterested and disinterested? Uninterested and disinterested. Uh, uninterested uh, means that uh, you don't find it interesting disinterested means that you did once find it interesting and now you don't anymore okay can you think it's what you ought to do but you do anyway okay okay (laughs) i'll leave it at that all right we've got jonah's answer we don't know yet if he is correct katie what do you think do you want to just say the opposite or do you want to say something different (laughs) gosh yeah well tell because i think he was right about uninterested Mm -hmm. like and just not interested Mm -hmm. Okay, disinterested means you uh, were so interested that you dissed the person. Oh. So you disinterested that person. I just disinterested you. Wow, I, I just got a <laughs> chill when you pointed at me and you said that. All right, well, this segment is losing interest. Let's go to Helen Hong of the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. An uninterested person is bored or unconcerned about a subject. A disinterested person might care about the subject but is impartial or unbiased. Yes, yes, that is right. So you would want a disinterested party to help settle your dispute so they have an open mind but no conflicts, but you wouldn't want them to be uninterested in your dispute because nobody likes it when their couples counselor is bored. Helen, how did our guest do? I think Jonah Ray got one point on that. I think so as well. You got uninterested correct, but you didn't quite nail disinterested. I believe that is correct. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? The end of that round, Katie Huffman has zero points and Jonah Ray has three points. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. I'm Jesse Thorne. On the next Bullseye, we've got the one and only Ted Danson. We'll talk about his new show, Mr. Mayor, about Cheers and about the secret to success in comedy. I mean, I I feel like one of your signature comedic moves at this point uh, in your career is gazing. Uh, You do a lot of interesting gazing. (laughs) I also love this. Gazing, I love that. And if I'm not, I'm going to start, because that's great. That's Bullseye. Find it on MaximumFun.org, NPR.org, and wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Katie Huffman with zero points and Jonah Ray with three points. Once again, here's Jakey Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Katie, you seem to wince as Helen reminded you of the current score, but I'm happy to tell you that you'll have a chance to put some points on the board in this round. Uh, First, let's talk about your many interests. You told us you know a lot about the TV show Call the Midwife, Cat's Peculiarities, and Menopause. 
let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First of all, tell us why you chose the TV show called The Midwife for one of your topics. I've watched it four or five times straight through. I'm watching it right now again. I, I learned about it during a Broadway show with the other women in the show. They were watching it, so it became mm. a it became a you know a, a social thing. And and then you know when I want to cry, I just watch that show. I just <laughs> it's like listening to a song that makes you cry. And if, if, oh. I, a friend of mine passed away recently, so I'm like. Call a midwife because I just oh, got wow. I got I just got to cry. <gasps> and have you ever called a midwife yourself? <laughs> no, I called no. her what? Yeah, okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Katie. You also said you know a lot about cat peculiarities, peculiarities of kitty cats. Tell well, us about I, that. Uh, yeah, I just think cats are kind of the bee's knees. <laughs> I've always loved them. I've had a cat in my life ever since I was five. There's always been a cat or two or three mm -hmm. or four or sometimes eight. Oh wow! You know, but it, like, I are really your cats more peculiar than the average cat, or no. like, like when you say peculiarities, do you mean like things that only cats do that are weird, or like that weird cats do? Excellent well, clarification, Helen. You know, there's kind of a bit of both because they are definitely unique. You know, like one of my cats has that thing where it falls over all the time. <laughs> oh no! You know, so that's a peculiar Did, thing. That's about disinterested. Him. <laughs> I thought it was called being drunk, but uh, either way. Yeah, I try not to give him too much alcohol, but he oh, sneaks gosh. it. He sneaks now, it. Now, that sounds sad and yet also adorable. It's so cute, and he does not have a bad case of it. Awesome. All right, oh. and then finally, Katie, you said you know a lot about menopause. Yep. Could you be a little more specific than yep, although I think, I think we might know what you're saying. Been there, done that. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I find I actually I, I do find menopause very interesting because it is very interesting to go through menopause. Mm. And it's very interesting to watch other women go through menopause and have the choices they make and to realize there's no real research on menopause because mm. men don't get it. Mm. All right, so to summarize, Katie, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the TV show called The Midwife, Cat Peculiarities and Menopause. Today, we're going to quiz you about menopause. <laughs> Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to ask, usually when you hear women talking about menopause, it's complaining about the, the negative parts. Are there any positives that you found in your experience It's the with greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I got to tell you, I love it more than anything. Like to be really? a slave to that. I mean, from 12 to 45, mm. I did not miss a period and they were not pretty. And it was just like, oh my God, the day I was not getting them anymore, it was rejoice. You know, oh, wow. Okay. Like, so it is a positive for you. Oh, That's great my to God. hear. It's the greatest thing ever. And to not be ruled by those crazy hormones and mm -hmm. everything else. And I and I I took a very strict approach to it as well with an herbal, with an herbalist and really, you know. I did oh. not eat the things I wasn't supposed to eat. And, and for eight years did this strict diet and everything else. And it really worked. So, oh, wow. oh, so when it happened to you, you just did a deep dive and did a lot of research on your own and, and just like discovered a lot about it. I, I discovered a lot about it. I, I did talk a lot to my, you know, my gynecologist and, you know, it was, it was kind of, it was very funny. It, it, and in my, my point of view, it was hilarious to mm. go through it. You know, it was like, what, it, what is happening? And then to say to my you know, gynecologist, I think I'm in menopause. She said, no, look at you. How can you be in menopause? And then they did my blood work and they got all the numbers and they, I got to call Katie. If you ever bleed again, it will be an emergency. Call us. Oh, you know, gosh. it's like, no, 
okay. So suddenly it's like, oh, I do look like I'm in menopause. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to know that your doctor is willing to follow up beyond just, nah, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. You don't look like mm. it at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic oh, with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each <laughs> worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints for these five questions. Now, Jonah, do listen closely because you can steal if Katie gets any of them wrong. Jonah, by the way, how much do you know about menopause? Mm, I know enough to uh, be nice to my mom. Okay, that sounds like a, that sounds like a good path that you're on. All right, Katie, here's question number one. Menopause occurs when the ovaries stop making two hormones needed for fertility. Name one of these two hormones. Estrogen. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. The other one is progesterone. Uh, you did not need the hint in that question, but if you had needed the hint, Helen, what would that hint have been? Well, I'm not anti-gesterone. That's right. <laughs> You are pro-gesterone. All right, here's question number two for Katie. Also known as menopause transition, what is the stage of a woman's reproductive life that begins several years before menopause when the ovaries gradually begin to produce less estrogen? Perimenopause, if you believe in it, yeah. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Uh, fun fact, as a noun, the word peri means a beautiful and graceful girl who presumably one day will reach menopause and before that, a peri perimenopause. <laughs> Katie, you are two for two. Thank you for letting me Thank say Thank God I have two, two, two points. Yes, exactly. You got, the, you got your two points there. Katie, you're two for two. Here's question number three. According to the U.S. government's Office on Women's Health, what is the average age for menopause in the United States? Now, we'll give you the point if you answer within three of the correct answer. Uh, 52. Helen? That is correct. Yes, in fact, you nailed it. It is exactly 52. Very nice, Katie. Is that something you studied or, or knew? Uh, yeah, it's something I know because I was a little earlier than that. Ah, and, okay. Know, so a lot of people say, oh, you're a little early. I'm like, well, it's within the range. It is within the range. <laughs> you know. uh, all right, fun fact. The average age can actually vary widely around the world. For example, in northern India, the average age for menopause is 45. All right, Katie, you were three for three. You still have your two hints available. Here's question number four. According to Healthline, it has been shown that menopause can occur early when women do which one of the following things? Is it have multiple pregnancies, eat red meat, consume artificial sweeteners, smoke cigarettes, or have breast augmentation surgery? Smoke cigarettes. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> Didn't need a hint there. Wow. Wow. So good. You're just, good. Sailing, you're just sailing right through. Sailing you're through like, it. Just like I did with menopause. <laughs> 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 you're so happy to be here, just like you I'm are so in menopause. You're just cruising on in. <laughs> All right. You have a chance to go five for five if you can get this question correct, Katie. The term menopause celebrates its bicentennial in 2021, having been coined by a doctor in 1821. What nationality was that doctor? I'd like a hint, please. Helen, how about that first hint? His name was Dr. Charles Negrier. <laughs> Could it be perhaps France? Helen, is it France? <laughs> it is France. It is, oui, oui. <laughs> Katie Huffman is five for five. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> oh, formidable. Uh, all right. You did very well in that round, obviously. But now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Oh, boy. We'll be bringing you on an expert to assess your response. Katie, over 75% of menopausal women experience one of the hallmarks of menopause, episodes of profuse heat predominantly around the upper body. 
for up to three points, tell us what are these bursts of heat commonly called, what is the medical term for these episodes, and what zone, which acts like the body's thermostat, is narrowed during one of these episodes? What's well, hot flashes? Okay. I should know that term. And that's the medical term or that's the common? term? No, that's the term. commonly. Okay. Yeah, you know, please, J. Keith. And I'm fascinated with the last one because mm -hmm. I, I say, ask the, what was the third question? We're asking, uh, there's a zone, there's a term zone. for a zone which acts like the body's thermostat that is narrowed during one of those episodes. Well, I called it the magma zone. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh. Would you like to make a guess? Maybe try to put parts of words that have to do with, uh, with that phenomenon together? That might, yeah. that might work out? Yeah, let's call it the... The thermonuclear zone. <laughs> thermonuclear zone. All right. Someone watched War Games recently, speaking of Matthew Broderick. Uh, and then uh, would you like to make a guess at the medical term for the episodes? I can't remember it. I, okay. I, so it, no, no answer there? No, I got no answer for that. No. Okay. That's all right. Helen is taking note of the answers that you did give. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have today? Joining us tonight is an OBGYN and pain medicine physician who wrote the number one bestseller, The Vagina Bible, and the upcoming book, The Menopause Manifesto. It's Dr. Jen Gunter. Dr. Ah. Jen Gunter. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's so wonderful to see you and talk with you. I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours, believe it or not, even though, even though uh, you heard the things that I did not know about this phenomenon. That's uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, what I admire so much about you, you, you are a warrior on Twitter, especially uh, talking with people about the, the, the things that they don't know, the, the ignorant things, the mythology. Um, you, you especially, I, I noticed, get into these arguments uh, with men about the vulva and the vagina. And it, I guess women, I guess anyone on Twitter maybe shouldn't be surprised, but isn't it surprising that men are arguing with you, a woman and an OBGYN about the vagina? Um, I think if you ask any woman, no, yeah, no. no. they're going to be no. like, yeah, no. you're like, we're not surprised. No, okay. I'm not. <laughs> no, that's pretty surprised. much on brand. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's pretty on brand. On yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it happens like on dates and things. I'm like, oh, really? You're going to tell me how my body works? Cool. Super. Guess what? I'm like the extra expert. So no. <laughs> oh, man. I would describe it as a crusade that you were on is what you call uh, against vagina profiteers. What exactly is a vagina profiteer? <laughs> Oh, people that sell you junk for your junk, um, you know, th things that you don't need. And it's all, you know, rooted in the patriarchy, this idea mm. that vaginas and vulvas need to be prepped and trussed for men. Mm. Um, you know, why aren't there any sprays like to make balls smell like puppy paws or something? Mm. I would buy that. I would buy that. I would buy that. I would buy that. I think you're onto something. Yeah. I would celebrate that. You know? Yes. yes. You know, I mean, they sell all these like wipes for women, like to make you smell like, like, uh, like, I don't know, a tropical forest. Yeah. Like it's a vagina, not a pina colada. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Is, is the information that's out here, the bad information about women's health, is it misinformation or disinformation? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it is people just don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's because we have this culture of shame about, you know, about women's bodies and we have an inability to talk about it. You know, I mean, it, so there's part of that. But what happens when you say that something's dirty or shameful? Mm -hmm. Well, people go to clandestine places to get information and people take advantage of you. So it's absolutely both. I mean, you just go to any drugstore and there's shelves of unnecessary 
dietary products. Mm. You know, the Vagisil knows you don't need that stuff, but they don't care. They're trying mm. to sell it to you. So, you know, it doesn't matter if it's there or if it's something like on, you know, Goop or, you know, at some, you know, whatever it is, mm. there's all kinds of misinformation out there about, you know, what's actually happening in the reproductive tract. And what's so interesting mm. about Goop is you see people making fun of Goop for the wacky claims that they make, but there's some real serious uh, repercussions that can come from women doing these things. They can also be dangerous if they do these things that are recommended by Goop. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff they, they recommend is pretty, like, I, I'm not, I'm sure, I'm not sure how many people decided to take up a coffee enema practice because Goop sold a coffee enema, right. you know, equipment. But I think the real harm from them is that they also partner with people that are really very fringe, mm. and it's very hard for people to tell the difference. So, for example, they have physicians on there that are anti-vaccine. Mm. They have physicians who don't believe AIDS is a disease. Oh, yes. They believe it's fake. They have physicians who also are involved with QAnon. So oh, yes. how do you, how does a consumer tell the difference? Right. I should take out my stone vag egg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it. shoot that thing across the yes, room. Yes, I okay. would like to see that. That'll be some good bonus content. Okay for uh, Max Fun Drive next year. I, um, I need the Good Doctor's Instagram page, by the way. I need to follow this. Oh, yeah. She's a wonderful follow. Um, yeah. I, I did want to ask her just briefly to follow up on the Goop. I know you've taken them head on in a lot of cases. Have they made any changes to, to their methods or the products that they recommend? Uh, well, you know, they have like a big disclaimer now. Oh, okay, well. <laughs> they have a big legal disclaimer. Yeah. Um, and they did get sued by, um, you know, by the, you know, the attorney general and they had to pay a fine. Mm-hmm. And um, they've really toned down, I think, a lot of their crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they were doing that for clickbait to get attention. Right. And, um, you know, if, you're, if your quality is good, people will come. You know, you don't, to me, that's as misogynistic and patriarchal as, you know, as sort of what we classically think of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't need to lie to women about their bodies to get attention. Just put good information out there. People will come. Well, speaking of good information, you had this wonderful uh, bestseller, The Vagina Bible. And tell us about your upcoming book, The Menopause Manifesto. Why, why a manifesto on menopause? Well, you know, a manifesto is a proclamation. And part of the problem with menopause is we don't talk about it. You know, as we heard women go into this with this absolute culture of silence, you know, they deal their whole lives with this reproductive equipment that bleeds, that causes problems, that, you know, pregnancy and delivery are incredibly challenging for women who decide to do that. I mean, and which is a byproduct of us needing to have big heads as babies, but small pelvises so we can walk upright. So you get to menopause and you're like, finally, I'm going to smash this glass ceiling and I'm through and now you're you know what you're not even a candidate for the not hot enough Olympics right (laughs) you're just like nobody Mm. nobody pays attention to menopausal women you know societal Mm. and so you know I really want you know I really feel women need both facts and they need feminism Mm. to sort of deal with menopause in in a way because they're dealing not only with misinformation and disinformation but they're dealing with having their bodies judged their whole lives against male standards which is like judging your liver against your kidneys like that's just like doesn't make any sense what are some of the common misconceptions about menopause that you wish you could correct and that would empower women to know well i think you know as we heard that a lot of women don't actually have a terrible menopause that the experience can really range and some people some women do have a difficult time um and some women don't and some women are in between the menopause transition which is the time before Mm -hmm. when your periods start becoming irregular actually women can have some of the worst symptoms before their final period so i wish women knew that 
And the third thing I wish everybody knew is there can be a little bit of temporary sort of change in cognition. A lot of mm. women report a bit of a brain fog, but it's temporary and it's not a sign that dementia is coming, that you're falling off a cliff. It's basically your brain is used to all this estrogen and now it has to rewire itself so it doesn't have all that high levels of estrogen. So it's kind of like your computer shifting, you know, it's like a new system being uploaded into your computer. Mm. And actually what's really interesting is when women are followed and they're compared with men, even when women are slower, they still perform faster on memory tests than men. Oh, wow. Well, Katie, that bodes well for you with uh, the game tonight. (laughs) Uh, Well, Dr. Gunter, I am so excited to read your books, The Vagina Bible and The Menopause Manifesto. And I appreciate you um, as a female physician uh, talking about this stuff and putting out good information. Like you said, like I come from an immigrant background. My parents are Korean. I don't think, like my mother, when talking to me, like there's no word in Korean for vagina as Mm. far as I can tell. She just says, oh, that place down there where babies come from. And I'm like, okay, you're a grown ass woman. (laughs) It's ridiculous that you can't, like you can't even say the word for it. And it's like filled with shame and, and you know, it's like everything's hush hush. And and so I feel like there is a, a level of feminism too just having good information and knowing your own body and, yeah. and, and seeking out, you know, like solid science backed information. I think that, 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 that it, it is a feminist act to have that. So thank you very much for, for being a warrior. Oh, thank you. I mean, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be an act of feminism, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking one day in the office, I have all this information and most of it's not actually that hard for people to know. Why should I be the curator of this information? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be an act of feminism to know how your body works. Mm-hmm. So that's why I sort of decided to go on this crusade. And actually the Vagina Bible is going to be published in South Korea. Oh, wonderful. I'll send you a copy. What's it going to yeah. be called? Yeah. Maybe I'll find I out. I have no idea. Okay. I know. <laughs> I literally, I literally, like, I grew up speaking Korean and I still to this day don't wow. know like the actual term for it. Vagina. It would be pretty ironic if it's called that place down there where babies come out of Bible. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you here. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Katie. First, we wanted to know what is the common term for these bursts of heat that women in menopause often experience? Helen, what did Katie say? Katie said hot flashes. And Dr. Gunter? That is correct. They can also be called hot flushes. And a fun fact, an old term from the 1700s is hot blooms. Ooh. Ah. I think Ooh. we got to bring that back. Yeah. Hot blooms. Because like- it feels like the heat is blooming out of you. Oh, don't they have that at Outback Steakhouse? I think you're thinking of a blooming onion, <laughs> Helen, but oh, I, okay. it's a very common mistake. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, all right, that is a point for Katie. Very good. Uh, next, we wanted to know what the medical term was for those episodes. Katie was not able to pull an answer for that. What are they called in the medical term? terminology, Dr. Gunter. They're called vasomotor symptoms. And tell us a little bit about uh, what that term means or where so it comes from. You know. It's basically hot flashes and night sweats. That's really the combination of the two. Um, you know, in medicine, we like to have big fancy words to make it harder to say two smaller words. <laughs> makes right, us feel like enough. we're super smart. Yes. It, I, I'm, I'm very impressed with all the smartness happening here. It's like a secret code, you know. Wait, vaso, vaso is like vascular. Vasomotor, right. Vascular. Yeah, because it's the, it's all the, you know, it's, um, it's related to the vascular system, you know, so what, you know, it. basically your brain thinks, well, I'll answer that after the next question. Your brain thinks you're hot. Okay. Thermovascular. Close. Oh, let's see. 
<laughs> Let's see. Uh, we next wanted to find out what is the name of the zone that acts like the body's thermostat that is narrowed during one of these episodes that we now know are called hot flashes. Helen, what did Katie say? Katie said thermonuclear zone. I'm sure it feels like that, but uh, is that correct, <laughs> Dr. Gunter? It does feel like that, if, but, but it's thermoregulatory zone. So normally there's a fairly wide temperature that your body can tolerate before it's like, ooh, I need to shiver or I need to sweat. And with menopause, it gets really narrow. So basically, you know, any little change in temperature and your brain starts screaming, fire in the hole, fire in the hole, dump the heat. <laughs> wow. And so then you, your blood gets shunted to your peripheries and you start to sweat and to dump all the heat that you don't actually need to dump. And that's why women can shiver afterwards because now you've lowered your temperature because you never were hot to begin with. Wow. All right. All right, Dr. Gunter, before we let you go, Katie, is there anything you would like to uh, ask or say to our expert while we have her here? All I keep thinking about is being a teenage girl and thinking about sex and how somehow culturally we expect the men to know what they're doing. And it would be very helpful for the men, too, who I've spoken to, for the girls to be more empowered to tell them what's going on with their bodies. So what, what do you recommend, Dr. Gunter, for, for younger women who want to uh, learn more and, and be educated in that way? So the book Come As You Are is a pretty good book. Yeah, I'm not sure how young an age it would go for. Um, for an older person wanting to know more about what young women are facing, there's the book Girls and Sex um, by, I think it was, I think it's Peggy Ornstein um, who wrote that. And that's a really good book. And of course, if they want to learn more about menopause, they can look for your upcoming book, The Menopause Manifesto. If people want to find out more about you and your work, where can they go, Dr. Gunter? Um, they can go to drjengunter.com. They can go to uh, my Twitter page where I'm always on, apparently, and um, which is Dr. <laughs> Jen Gunter. And they can go to my Instagram, which is Dr. Jen Gunter. And um, they can find me sometimes writing uh, for the New York Times as well. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, that's where I am, out and about, all around. Awesome. Well, we're happy that you joined us today. And thank you for all the important work that you do and for doing it in such a fun and informative way. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Jen Gunter. Thank, Bye, you. thank you. Thank you. Bye. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Katie Huffman has six points and Jonah Ray has three points with a round of questions for Jonah coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Jonah about a topic he knows about. Plus later, Jonah and Katie will go head to head in our fast facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hey there, beautiful people. Did you hear that good, good news? Something about the baby Jesus? Mm, he's coming back. Or do you mean the fact <laughs> that Apple Podcasts has named Santi one of the best shows of 2020? I mean, we already knew that we was hot stuff, but a little external validation never hurts, okay? Hosted by me, writer and journalist Jared Hill. And me, the ebony enchantress myself, <laughs> <laughs> Travel Anderson. Fanti is your home for complex conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the people, places, and things we're huge fans of, but got some anti-feelings toward. You name it, we fanti. Nobody's off limits. Check us out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your Slayworthy audio. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Katie Huffman with six points and Jonah Ray with three points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Jonah, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about 1994 punk music, the movie Ed Wood, and Hawaii. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First of all, tell us why you chose 1994 punk music. 
Uh, I have a theory that the things that you uh, take in into your brain the most uh, came out when you were 12. In 1994, mm. I was 12. Um, <laughs> and so that's when I sucked up the most uh, knowledge about stuff. Um, and also, like, to to that, I know I'm skipping ahead, but, like, Ed Wood also came out in 1994. And it's ah. my favorite movie. <laughs> so um, that's why I said that. I just, I never, I I. I don't like to say I know anything. I'm kind of of that mindset where it's mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't know anything, anything at all. Uh, I don't like to speak a, uh, with authority on anything outside of my own uh, control, uh, even my past. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who are some of the punk musicians from 1994 that uh, speak to you? Oh, uh, well, you know, a lot of them turned out to be pretty problematic. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> well, you just, you know, like, but at, at that time, there was bands like uh, Dillinger 4 out of uh, Minneapolis, an amazing band. Uh, I, I, it's, they're still like, I still listen to them every, almost every day. Uh, the Weaker Thens. Um, uh, a lot of bands that were basically, they were, you know, they were my folk music. Uh, mm-hmm. They were, they were uh, blue collar um, entertainers. This is the kind of the, these guys that are just um, they're working class entertainers and mm. they're not they're not millionaires. They're never going to be millionaires. Sometimes it happens in punk and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But that was something to me that was uh, important because it was uh, the DIY aesthetic of um, uh, you don't need to ask for permission or money or uh, for anything to be able to create. And mm. uh, and and these well, that bands actually, really, that yeah. actually transitions to your next topic pretty well, because uh, your next topic is the movie Ed Wood. That's another reason why I just I connected with it so much because it was just about uh, you know these people just getting together to make art uh, or be creative or you know it's a, you can say that you know Glenn or Glenda or Plan Nine or art or you could you know just but the idea of just uh, not waiting for permission and just being creative I think that's a, a very important thing because people will get in their own way thinking that like well. I can't because I can't have this or like no one's going to let me do this. And it's really important to know that it is up to you to uh, to create. And it doesn't need to be huge and famous. It doesn't need to be liked by everybody or be super popular or make a bunch of money. You can be creative by making a song and just having it for yourself or showing it to your friends. You are an interesting 12 year old. <laughs> yeah, well, I was I was really into I was really into punk and I was, you know, I was a. Uh, I was really into just, I wanted to be creative and it was a door that opened up and I was, I I was like, Oh, I can, I can go in there. I'm 12. These are all ages shows and no one's telling me that I can't. (laughs) That's great. And finally, Jonah, you said, you know, a lot about Hawaii. Yeah. So that was kind of a stretch. I mean, I was born and raised in Hawaii. My family's been there for generations and generations. I, I I believe I'm the fourth generation on my dad's side to be, uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. Born. uh, We were a first wave of, uh, Portuguese immigrants, uh, to come and work at the sugarcane plantations. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so I've been there a real long time, uh, and so is my family. It might, you know, I have a Hawaiian side of my family. I, I soaked in a bunch of information, uh, but at the same time, I said that was just kind of a stretch when you you know you needed three things I knew yeah. about, and I was like, well, I mean, I do know a lot about the punk bands that were playing in Hawaii in 1994, <laughs> but I Wait, don't think is that so. That is where you were when you were 12. I was uh, born. In, I was born there, and I I, I, I lived there until I was 19, and then I moved out to oh, Los Angeles. On Oahu. Yeah, Oahu? On, on Oahu. So yeah, I went to Kalaheo High School. So yeah, me, The Rock, Tia Carrera. And Obama. Oh wow! Oh, and of course, uh, Bruno Mars. Yes. No, that's that's a that's a concert or a movie I would be happy to see. Yeah. Wow. All right. So to summarize, Jonah, you said you know a lot about 1994 punk music, the movie Ed Wood, and Hawaii. Today we're going to quiz you about 
the movie Ed Wood. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the others are a little broad. The movie is a little more specific. Might be easier for a quiz. How, how often do you think you've seen that movie, Ed Wood? Oh, uh, easily, um, you know, probably over a hundred times. I also, oh, wow. uh, yeah, wow. I mean, well, it's it's you know, it's tricky because I would, I, it's my comfort movie, so I pop mm -hmm. it on a lot, and then so you see parts of it, and if it's on TV, I end up watching it. Um, I uh, also. Uh, I, there's a, there's a site I go to called listen to a movie.com, which is just the audio tracks for movies. <laughs> so there's been many times where I just put it on to go to bed to, Oh, you know? that's it's got a great score by Howard Shore and it's, you know, it's just got, it's just, all, it's a very positive movie. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like call the midwife for Katie and yes. Star, Trek, Star Trek TNG for me. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You never yeah. know what can comfort people, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. works. My goodness. Uh, and do you have a favorite scene uh, or moment or line from the movie? It's got to be uh, the uh, when Bella, played by Martin Landau, uh, gives a speech, and it's kind of a tricky thing because it is a scene from uh, one of the actual. It's from, it's from Bride the Monster, but I have that monologue memorized where it's like uh, he's like, "Home, I have no home. Hunted, despised, living like an animal. The jungle is my home." But I shall show the world that I could be its master. I shall create an at a race of atomic super beings that will rule the world. So that's a, uh, I tried to get that as my uh, senior quote and it was too long. Oh no. Wow. <laughs> well, that, I, I feel like you just showed us your Tony. <laughs> uh, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, Jonah, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Katie, do listen closely because if Jonah answers incorrectly, you can steal. Katie, by the way, how much do you know about the movie Ed Wood? I am at a grave disadvantage on this one. <laughs> All right. Well, how let's... does it feel? How does it feel? <laughs> <laughs> Ed Wood also, uh, you know, Ed Wood is also known as the male menopause. Oh, I was not aware of that. Yeah. Wow. All right. Here's question number one for Jonah about the movie Ed Wood. Much of the film shows Ed Wood making what critics Michael and Harry Medved would later call the worst film ever made. What alien invasion film featuring Criswell, Vampira, and Bella Lugosi do we get to see come to life? Plan 9 from Outer Space, original title, Grave Robbers from Outer Space. But he got the money from uh, a Christian church group, and so they had him change the name. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, with a bonus fun fact included. <laughs> Very nice. Of course, that ninth plan was to raise all the dead people on Earth and make them kill the living, but the aliens only succeeded in raising three zombies, which didn't quite get the job done. All right, here's question number two. We also see the making of Wood's movie, Bride of the Monster, especially a memorable scene where Bella Lugosi fights with what cephalopod? An octopus. Helen? That is correct. That yes. is correct. Yes, and they didn't get the motor for the octopus. So in the scene, right. he has to like whip the like legs around. And you know, yes. that's another great scene where it's like, he's like, so you're just gonna get in there and you're gonna like make it look like it's attacking you. Yeah. And then uh, um, Bella Lugosi goes like, I was offered Frankenstein. <laughs> I go, what's that? He's like, after Dracula, they offered me Frankenstein, but I didn't find it sexy enough, so I passed. <laughs> and now he's wrestling a broken motorized octopus. All right, uh, fun fact, by the way, as we learned in the What's the Difference segment of episode 59 of Go Fact Yourself, octopuses have eight arms, not tentacles. All right, Jonah, here's question number three. In a scene at the Brown Derby, Ed Wood meets his future leading lady, Loretta King, who wastes little time in declaring that she is terribly allergic to what? 
Uh, that scene does not take place in uh, the Brown Derby. That is at oh. Bordner's, um, and that's not during a party. Uh, that's a, he's a, he's feeling bad, and he's a, he's a, at a bar, and he um, the bartender offers this woman uh, uh, if she wants she asks if she wants some water, and she's just like, uh, no, no water, no liquids. I'm terribly allergic. Ellen. That is correct. That is correct. She says she's allergic to liquids. Apologies if we got that uh, location wrong. Um, By the way, the real Loretta King actually did claim that she was allergic to water, though if she's so allergic, you have to wonder what she was doing at a bar. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, she was not allergic to booze. All right, Jonah, you are three for three. Here's question number four. You still have your two hints available. The movie ends with short biographical updates about the real people depicted in the film. Tor Johnson, played by George the Animal Steel, has an update that reads, continued to appear in numerous B-movies before achieving his greatest fame as what? The highest selling Halloween mask of all time. Helen? That is correct. Yes, we'll give it to you, a best-selling Halloween mask. Uh, Very, very good, Jonah. Fun fact, that mask was made and sold by Don Post Studios, which also made the William Shatner mask that became the face of Michael Myers in the Halloween movies. That's right. They they did two very famous masks. Uh, All right, Jonah, you have a chance to go five for five also if you can get this question correct. Johnny Depp's vocal performance as Ed Wood sounds familiar, and not just because it comes out of Johnny Depp. Maybe it's because Depp said that he modeled it after three iconic voices, a famous president, a famous radio personality, and a famous character in a 1939 movie. Name two of these three vocal influences. Ronnie Reagan uh, was uh, Ronald Reagan, the uh, president, uh, the actor. And uh, I want to say Casey Kasem. Uh, and I and I don't know the th- I don't know the That's third. That's right. You only need two. So you're gonna go yeah. with Ronald Reagan and Casey Kasem. Helen. That is correct. That is correct. Jonah Ray is five for five. Wow, what a great game we have going here. Uh, the third, by the way, was the Tin Man. The Tin Man from the Wizard of Oz. Uh, All right. Sense. Yeah, his positivity. I think. Because uh, yes. like Edward needed to be a character that, like, upon everything about the world telling him he shouldn't be doing what he's doing, he still needs to have that positivity to move forward and create. All right, well, speaking of positivity, you are five for five. You obviously did very well in that round, but now it is time for your expert level question. Can I give the hint? Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Helen is eager to give you the hint that you did not need for number five. Helen, if you had needed that hint, what would that hint have been? Well, Cracking the Top 40 is a song that's a long distance dedication to a guy who needs a heart. Wow, that's great. (laughs) Very, very nice. The Ronald Reagan one, it's like, it's just a word though. Well. Exactly. Thank you. Helen, way to deliver. Helen, with her Tony Award winning performance as well. I was practicing all night. (laughs) Yes, thank you so much, Helen. I'm so glad that we got that in. All right, here we go. Jonah, you did very well, obviously, in that round, but now it is time for your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Jonah, the movie Ed Wood was nominated for two Oscars and won both of them. One was for Best Supporting Actor for Martin Landau. We're going to tell you a little bit about the other award it won and then ask you your question. This other award was shared by three people who worked closely with Martin Landau. For person number one, it was her second award in this category. For person number two, it was her third award in this category, and she would later become a judge on a TV competition show about this category. And for person number three, it was his third award in this category, and he would go on to win four more, becoming probably the most famous and celebrated person in this field. So your question is, for up to three points, name the category this award was in and any two of these three persons who won it. Uh, it was makeup and special effects. 
for the uh, the the Bell Lugosi uh, makeup on Martin Landau. Uh, I I I cannot think of any of the effects uh, people's names uh, at all. I can okay. I get a hint? No, no hints in the cluster fact. The, also yeah, the cluster fact. That's right. Yes. yes uh, that's right. <laughs> uh, Dona, would you like to just shout out a couple people that you know? No, I mean, I just can't like, it's like a, it's funny. Cause I've been like doing research for this other thing with all these like effects people. And, yeah. uh, and usually like, you know, you see a name and you're like, well, they worked on it. And it's like everything. And I, it, it, I got too many of them in my head. I understand. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So you're but you are going to say uh, makeup and special effects and, uh, uh, we'll, we'll leave the names to uh, be a mystery for now. All right. Mm-hmm. Helen is taking note of your answer. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight are a makeup artist and hairstylist who both won back-to-back Academy Awards for their work on Mrs. Doubtfire and Ed Wood. It's V. Neal and Yolanda Tusing. Hello, V. Neal. V. Neal. Oh, man. Hello, Yolanda and V. Thank you so much for joining us. What an honor and a treat. Hello. Hi, guys. I want to point out to our listeners, in addition to uh, Ed Wood and Mrs. Doubtfire, for which you both won the Oscars, you also both have gotten an Emmy for Pee Wee's Playhouse, and V won an ah. Oscar for Beetlejuice. So some of the most iconic uh, makeup wow. and hair work uh, in, in entertainment history. Um, Incredible. And then, Helen, get ready to be blown away because uh, one okay. of Helen's topics would be something that uh, Yolanda has worked on. Yolanda, you did 26 episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. What? Yes. Ah! <laughs> it was quite it a fun thing to do. Oh, my God. Did you do Patrick Stewart's hair? Yes. You did a great job. Ah! He, he looked totally bald. That was all you? I understand he's got a gorgeous mane normally. <laughs> Wait, well, I opened re- his wine bottles. <laughs> that was part of the job. Excellent. Yeah, what did that require doing doing a bald person's hair? Just a dust off? A little dust off? A little off. dust off. Matting agent. Yeah, I, I saw in an interview, Yolanda, that you said, uh, you said, I love fake hair and use hair extensions on everybody that I can. Why, why is that? I, I just think more is more. <laughs> <laughs> I am 100% with you. Yeah. No, tell us a little bit more about that, about, about why you, you prefer working with artificial hair rather than people's real hair? No, I, I like adding hair to everybody, not necessarily artificial. Mm-hmm. I, I meant just not their own hair. I prefer I it to be real hair because I think there's more you can do with mm-hmm. it. You know, you, you can, for instance, Johnny Depp, when we did Edward Scissorhands, mm-hmm. I used hot glue guns. (laughs) So to hair that isn't growing out of the head, you're sort of limitless on your tools, (laughs) what you can do. We wired hair for uh, Edward Scissorhands as well, but that all had to be done separately and then put into their own hair. Oh, my God. All the crazy women in the neighborhood. Yeah. (laughs) Has the technology improved since then? Are you still using hot glue and wires? I still like using the wires and the glue <laughs> hey, gun. If it works, if it works, uh, why change? Uh, they make they make hot glue for the hair. Oh, okay. This isn't this isn't like you're going, you're not going to the Home Depot and filling up there. <laughs> v, I wanted to ask you. You have something in common with Katie is that you were a judge on a reality show. Tell us about your first. Yes, I was. Tell us about that. Well, I was a judge on the uh, reality show Face Off, which was about special effects makeup, and that ran for 13 seasons. A lot of these people that were on the show really were not makeup artists. Some of them, they just like would work in their garages mm-hmm. or something and they'd come on the show and they were actually learning as they were doing it. I mean, we had, you know, people that were tattoo artists that came on and 
you know, built these incredible creations. And just every week, it was so much fun to see what they were doing because we never got to see the building part mm -hmm. of it. All we ever saw was the final, you know, element. Mm -hmm. So we watch everybody walk out on stage and they'd be in these crazy makeups. And, you know, like I said, all we got to do is judge the final mm -hmm. product, you know, so we never got to see what they went through to build it. So when we finally got to see the show, it was so much fun because some of them were just like going through hell to get these <laughs> things made. And I mean, they were glued together with the prayer. You yeah. know? I mean, they half the time, you know, like soon as they got off camera, they were like, just like fall apart. And my one of my biggest fears was that the producers were all going to think that it only took two days to build stuff like this, and we were going to be screwed from then on because the the fact that these kids were whipping these things together in three days was just phenomenal. You know, I mean, so but that doesn't necessarily that mean my, it's going to last on set or for repeated use. Yeah, anyway. it didn't last much longer than it was on the stage. <laughs> yeah. there, you know? What's the hardest part for a, someone who's getting into uh, that kind of makeup to to learn? What's the hardest part to to get right? Well, you know, I, I I don't know that there's a hardest part to get right, but you know, it, there's the technology is so advanced now; they really do have to have schooling. Mm. I mean, it's it's you can learn so much on the internet, but after that, you really have to be in a room with somebody who knows what they're doing that has, the, you know, the technology behind them and the knowledge to show them how to make it, you know, finesse these things because a lot of there's a lot of chemicals involved and you know a lot of machinery and you know all kinds of crazy stuff and now we're using um 3d printing mm. oh and really you can do it with like handheld things to do actually do life casts oh wow so there's like all this really crazy new technology that's coming into play now and it's really exciting let's talk about ed wood of course um can you explain a little bit about what each of you did and how you collaborated yolanda why don't you go ahead with that um working with tim burton is is really great because he draws you pictures so he would do a lot of little doodlings for some of the characters. And then some of the characters, you know, we were making look like the original movie. So it was also black and white. So we needed to test a lot of different colored black and white wigs to see what really worked best oh, for what we were trying to get or what Tim was. We spent a week or two just working on black and white wigs and testing mm -hmm. um it was a great movie to work on yeah the working with black and white was really uh, challenging because i obviously had never done a black and white film and that really your makeup is really extremely affected by that as well as like red lipsticks and you know or whatever lipstick color of the period mm. not to mention you know the fact that we really wanted the bella lugosi makeup to look you know really realistic and um there was a really funny story that um when Rick Baker, who is the third makeup artist, who is the one that has the seven Academy Awards, hello, I'm ashamed of you. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> yes, now, now oh, we come to the shame now. portion of our show. <laughs> no, I Where's know. my shame bell? <laughs> the thing is also like I've, I've, I think I've interviewed, I've interviewed V before uh, when we did a screening of Laser Blast at the American Cinema Center, right. the Egyptian, and that's why like it was like like when you said Vini, I was, I was like yes, and then in my head I was also and Rick Baker. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell us about more. Tell us more about that about Rick Baker. You know, Rick had done the original test uh, at his studio on Martin, and he did a beautiful makeup on Martin. And the paint job, of course, was flawless and beautiful, and he looked amazing. I uh, reproduced the make the uh, you know the way he did the makeup. We sent him onto the set, and we got him in front of the camera. And Tim said, "Oh no, no, he looks too healthy. He looks huh. too good. He can't. Uh oh, he can't look like that. He has to look more sickly." And he says, "Go." Go back in the trailer, 
and put some more dark around his eyes, you know, make, make him look really sickly. And I said, okay. So I took him back in the trailer and I started putting more dark around his eyes. And Rick walked in the trailer. And he said, God, but he said, I knew you were going to do that. The minute I gave you this makeup, you were going to put big black circles around his eyes. <laughs> because all these other movies I had done with Tim, everybody has big black circles around his eyes, basically. I was going to ask both of you, is it, is it more difficult to make, make someone look bad or to make them look good? It depends on what they look like to begin with. <laughs> Well, I know, Yolanda, you worked especially on the, the hairstyling in, in, in this movie. Was there anything particularly challenging in the hair besides the, the colors for the camera, the black and white? The colors were probably the most challenging. And um, just making it look like it was a wet set period. Mm. That period of hair is so unique to itself because after that, we all used heating tools to style the hair. It, it was a challenge to get that wet set look for a movie you don't really have the time yeah you had to you had to make them look accurate not just for being in a good movie but for being in a bad movie as well right that's a really interesting challenge um well let's talk about the oscars uh what was your oscar experience like and how did it compare to the other oscar that you won in the subsequent year for me it was uh you know i did beetlejuice with v also but the academy didn't allow hairdressers to be part of that. So my first Oscar and my second Oscar, which are with V, mm-hmm. um, I, I was the first and second hairdresser to uh, win an Oscar. Wow. So for me, that was really special because I wasn't there for the Beetlejuice mm-hmm. part and I was there for the other two. So it was real special. All of them were real special. Yeah. Wait, this is this is an annoying question that I always ask. Where's your Oscar now? Well, they're behind me. Oh, she's right behind her. There you go, very nice. For our listeners, Yolanda just leaned a little bit to her left and all of a sudden, bam, two Oscars are right behind her. Little lesson there for you, Katie. Next time you do a Zoom interview with a Tony. <laughs> Yolanda, you bring up an interesting point because I, I actually didn't realize this until earlier today when we when we talked that there, there used to not be a any mentioning of hairstyling in the category and now the Oscars are given for makeup and hairstyling together. Yes, that we became together. <laughs> Not separate. It was something that it was something that you know the whole body of our uh, the makeup and hairstylists voted in finally, mm-hmm. and they allowed it to happen, which we were all very happy about because it just you know the the character isn't complete without hair. Yep. So how could you possibly not include the hairstylist? Yeah. Unless it's Patrick Stewart, you know? but even then, the dusting the yeah. dusting is very important. He doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, last thing I know, V, you've also segued into a product line as well. Tell us about that. Um, I've had a line of uh, of professional makeup brushes for over 35 years. And, and I kind of was got so busy that I kind of let it wane and didn't do anything with it. So um, I recently sort of retired from getting up at 3.30 in the morning to go do movies. And I decided to relaunch my line of makeup brushes. So I have done that recently. And of course, then COVID hit, but it, it's funny enough, it didn't really seem to matter that mm. much because people are still doing makeup at home. Mm. So it's been really fun to, you yeah. know, and Mackenzie and I, who was Mackenzie Westmore, who was also the um, hostess on Face Off, she and I um, started doing a weekly challenge uh, on um, Instagram. So, in fact, wow. we just we just uh, did one earlier today. We did the Halloween 
uh, we, uh, you know, awarded the Halloween present for this week. So usually I give a set of brushes away. And we did one for the little kids and for the adults. Oh, so that was fun. That's lovely. I follow a lot of those, the, the makeup, like incredibly creative stuff on Instagram. Like yeah. absolutely amazing, like you can paint i mean just like the eyes are closed but they look open i mean insane insane there are stuff really happens. a lot of amazing young artists on instagram that do yeah. some beautiful paint work well like jonah it must be very satisfying to help help creative people find an audience as well for uh for, for the field that mm -hmm. you're in um all right well let's get to the reason that we brought you both here as far as our game is concerned you heard the question that we asked of jonah you've already shamed him but we do need to get through this technicality uh <laughs> we wanted to know first what was the other oscar that ed wood one aside from best supporting actor helen what did jonah say jonah said makeup and special effects oh are we going to give that to him being yolanda yeah i think so as well that's one point i, for I think hair is quite special <laughs> it is so. well it, see, to, yes. it wasn't really called wasn't makeup and hair that's right it was still so best makeup okay. and then later on it became best makeup and and hair styling but uh, that is a point for jonah congratulations on that uh then of course he was unable to pull any of the names of the three people who won that award but i think we know yes now yes you said that multiple times <laughs> it's just <laughs> Uh, I only shamed you because I know you, sort of. Okay, there yeah, you go. No, exactly. There, no. there you go. That's a real friend who can make you feel awful about not yeah. knowing them. Uh, v and Yolanda, who are the three people who won that Oscar? Yolanda, go for it, babe. All three names? Yeah. Yolanda Tusing, V. Neal, and Rick Baker. Yay, and two go. of them are here with us. That's mm. so great. Before yeah. we let you go, V and Yolanda, Jonas, is there anything you'd like to ask or say or apologize to our guests? <laughs> Good work, and I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> You're forgiven. Oh, yay! Thank you. Yay! What a journey we all went on. Huzzah! Uh, if people want to find out about uh, you and your work, where can they go? Um, uh, my Instagram handle is at the real V, uh, and my brushes can be purchased at Friends Beauty Supply in Studio City. And uh, if you're in London, they can be purchased at Tilt in London, in Australia, Allied Effects, and in Vancouver at FiberTech. Awesome. We hope our listeners will check that out. Yolanda, I know you're not on social media. I'm a little bit jealous, but if people want to find out more about you and your work, I know they can uh, look you up on the internet. And uh, for both of you, IMDb. Yes, you, you guys have, have, have uh, created such a legacy of, of such wonderful and memorable work over the years. And we're so grateful that we were able to have you join us today. Everybody, V. Neil and Yolanda Tusing, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks. Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? At the end of that round, Katie Huffman has six points and Jonah Ray has nine points. <gasps> All right, Jonah has Curse caught you, up, Jonah but now Ray. it is. <laughs> the game's not over yet because now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Katie and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. And again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Katie, Abraham Lincoln was over five feet tall. True. Correct. Jonah, Abraham Lincoln was over six feet tall. True. Correct. Katie, Abraham Lincoln weighed over 275 pounds. False. Correct. Yep, he was about 180. Jonah, Abraham Lincoln was a skilled wrestler. True. Correct. Katie, as president, Abraham Lincoln made $25,000 a year. False. Incorrect. No, he really did. Jonah, he made more money from wrestling. False. Correct. Yeah, it wasn't quite, uh, quite, wasn't quite WWE back then. Uh, Katie, Abraham Lincoln was honored by the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. <laughs> Jesus. Uh... Come on, you should True. know this, Katie. True. 
Correct. Yes, he really was. Jonah, there's a mural of Abraham Lincoln in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. True? Correct. Katie, in the mural, Lincoln is wrestling a bear. True. <laughs> Incorrect. No. Jonah, in the mural, Lincoln is wrestling his kids. False. Correct. Katie, in the mural, he is wrestling his wife. False. Correct. Jonah, in the mural, he is wrestling John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> False. Correct. And finally, Katie, in the mural, he is wrestling slavery. Hmm. Uh, true? Incorrect. No, but that would be a lovely depiction to see. I'm sure I'd he would to win. I'd see that. Yeah, I would like to see that as well. No, he actually is wrestling a fellow Illinois wrestler named Jack Armstrong. We're not going to count those last few, but let us thank so much Katie and Jonah as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner of tonight's episode? I am. At the end of the game, Katie Huffman has nine points and Jonah Ray has 14 points. Oh my goodness. A huge score for Jonah Ray. Katie, you made quite a valiant effort, but Jonah, you are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Jonah, what will you do with your championship? I'm going to share it with Katie. Oh, that's so lovely. So if she could just uh, somehow break apart in half her Tony, <laughs> and I'll, get, I'll, I'll, I'll email you my address. You can send. So we'll split both Great. of the awards. Great. Excellent. It's sure. only fair. That's well, happening. congratulations. Congratulations, Jonah, on your new toe. Uh, all right. That just leaves me to think. <laughs> <That just> <laughs> That just leaves everyone on the show an opportunity to promote whatever they would like. Katie Huffman, where can people find you and your work? Oh, God. Is anybody working? Um, oh, well. <laughs> well, I, have, I, I produced my own uh, and created my own web series called Katie Did. And it has one season, and we're trying to figure out how to do a second season in this pandemic. But, uh, yeah, Katie Did. C-A-D-Y-D-I-D. Katie Did dot TV. Excellent. Well, Katie did very well on the show, and we're happy that she joined us. Thank you so much, Katie Huffman. Oh, thank you, guys. All right, Jonah Ray, where can people find you? Uh, well, yeah, I'm just, uh, I, I have a weekly podcast called Jonah Radio. That's R-A-Y-D-I-O. And um, we, uh, we just talk about what's happening in the world of music uh, that week and things that have happened, you know, that week in music history. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jonah Ray. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen Hong. Look at that smile. Tell us where people can see more of it, Helen. I'm on a series uh, on CBS called The Unicorn. Uh, season one is now on Netflix in the United States. It's also on CBS All Access. Uh, I'm on a long-running Nickelodeon children's series called The Thundermans, which is also on CBS All Access and on Hulu right now. Excellent. Thank you so much, Helen Hong. And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank sincerely Katie Huffman, Jonah Ray, Dr. Jen Gunter, V. Neal, Yolanda Tusing. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live someday. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like The Real Waleska did. He, she, or they said just what is needed now. Facts and jokes. This podcast will make your day. Well, thanks, The Real Waleska. You just made our day. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. 
Go Fact Yourself theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor and general hero overall is Julian Burrell. Special thanks to Anne Pryor at Kensington Books, Scott Heinley at PPI Premier Products, Inc., Antoinette Schatz, Leora Saul, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Needeth, Dave Bianchi, Eric Tran, and Christine Velada. I've been Helen Hong! Let's all invite Helen to go camping! Please do! I'll consider it if there are not too many bugs! MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.